Our second lesson from 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I'll begin the reading in verse 1. Working together with him then, we appeal to you, not to receive the grace of God in vain, for he says, in favorable times I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I've helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry, but as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardship, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, and I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So when you think of mountaintop experiences. I don't know about you, but I think of experiences uh, like great and grand, not like the circumstance that we heard read for us in Second Corinthians today. I think of spots like this I share with you here from Park River, North Dakota, and uh, my remote's not working, so I'll let uh, uh, the tech crew move it for us. Thank you. Here in Park River, North Dakota, we, uh, I was blessed to serve and get uh, my first paying gig in youth ministry at that Bible camp. And there, not only did I get to serve, but God was forming me. God was forming me and working on me in so many ways and calling me. And here in that place that uh, I was so formed and he was at work, uh, I remember uh, my heart being wide open to the Lord. It's not that it was always easy, but God was at work in me. But that's the kind of picture that I often have of a mountaintop experience of having my heart open. Others include maybe some of what I pray our boys and girls experienced this last week at camp at Glorietta and some of our youth at the mission trip the week before and 
Our boys and girls at the V Kishin Bible School the week before that. Maybe you have stories like that in your life. But some of us feel, and this has been true in my life as well, that those mountaintop experiences are too few and far between. And some of us are feeling like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm still waiting for mine. I'm spending my whole time in the valley, and it isn't easy. And life is hard. Well, it's true that life is hard, and and what you find in today's text, if that's you, you're in good company. For it is true that we do see some mountaintop experiences in the scriptures. You can't help but hear in the Old Testament when the word comes to us in the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. Or when God's presence is revealed to us and experienced on Mount Zion. Or in the New Testament when Jesus teaches so powerfully in the Mount of Beatitudes. Or where God reveals to us who Jesus is so clearly with Moses and Elijah on Mount Transfiguration. But the truth is, there was another whole kind of mountain. When God truly wanted to show us his love, to pour out his love for the world and reconcile us with himself, it was to Calvary, to the cross, a place of suffering. That's how Jesus opened wide his heart for us. And that's where we come to in the context of 2 Corinthians. Well, the whole church in Corinth there, I like how one scholar described with such a technical term the circumstances facing uh, Paul's relationship and the church there in Corinth. He wrote, It's complicated. It was so difficult there in Corinth that after sending uh, his protege Timothy, Paul wasn't planning on going there, but then he went there himself and it didn't go well. And he wrote then a letter that we don't have in between First and Second Corinthians, a, a letter that we hear referenced of judgment, although some scholars think it actually might be chapters 10 to 13 of Second Corinthians. It was a complicated, difficult circumstance. There were teachers teaching contrary to the gospel that Paul had brought before them. The good news is many eventually would return to the gospel. Many would come back to a saving faith there in Corinth. But it was no bed of roses. It was no picturesque, moment. It was complicated. It was difficult. I mean, did you hear verses 4 and 5 when I read them? But we as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance, in affliction, hardship, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. I mean, sign you up, right? This is the context for hearts wide open. Paul explains this after 
pointing them back to Jesus and continuing to do so. In chapter 5, he just described what it means to have a new life in Christ, to be reconciled with God. And his opponents were pointing in a different direction. And so wait, you might be hitting the pause button here at this moment and saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you saying that the answer to these deep questions, the the solution to having our hearts open to God is that age-old Sunday school answer, the answer is Jesus, right? Can't be so simple. I mean, maybe you're thinking about that story uh, uh, often told about Sunday school teachers, certainly not Miss Stephanie or Mr. Warren, right? But you know the one where the Sunday school teacher says, okay, children, uh, what is it that makes up liquid and ice and steam? And one uh, student raises their hand and says, I think it's water, but I know the answer must be Jesus. Right? Sometimes we think, oh, you're just oversimplifying it by pointing us to Jesus. But the truth is this. To say that the answer is truly Jesus is not to oversimplify anything. Now, on one hand, it certainly is a simple answer. And on the other hand, in the way that God became flesh and dwelt among us and fully embodied the fullness of what it is to be human as both man and God, there is nothing simple about that. Jesus experienced joy and sorrow, and loss, and friendship, and family. And yet, even in the midst of suffering, he fulfilled his mission. Fully God, fully man, the word became flesh, and God is with us. And so Paul, in 2 Corinthians, points the church in Corinth and points the church in Albuquerque still today back to that truth. To point and turn our attention to have our hearts made wide open to Jesus. To not turn back from the truth as we read. For Jesus is ontologically a reality that he is the stuff of reality really here. He's an eschatological reality. That is that our hope for the future and what is to come is found in him. And he is a transcendent reality. That that which we long for that's more than just the daily grind and more than just what we acquire, that there must be transcendent, something more. And I'll say more about that in a few moments. He is that reality. In Christ, we truly experience, regardless of circumstance, the heart of God. But you say, oh, you don't know my circumstance. Jesus does. And isn't it amazing that he doesn't ignore that either? Let me just remind you that if you are wrestling with a physical reality, with illness, or physical need, 
or resource. He invites us to pray in the prayer that he taught us. Give us our daily bread. If you are experiencing brokenness, either in relationship or in your own sinfulness and and shortcomings, he invites us to pray. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. But what about your very and my very real loss and heartache? Even there, he invites us to bring his intercession when we pray, deliver us from evil. And you say, well, what about my purpose in life and what impact I'm supposed to make? There he too provides an opportunity for us to call on him when he says, you're invited to pray, your will be done, your kingdom come on earth. That's with us as it is in heaven. And you say, yeah, but does that really deal with uh, the sufferings of this world? Does God really understand? Remember, Jesus felt it, embodied it, and is continuing to be with us. But another example came and reminded for me as I saw a social media post by Johnny Tata Erickson this week. I was recalling when she preached here a few years ago. You may remember she was paralyzed at the age of 17 in a tragic accident and now has been in her wheelchair for over 50 years. Suffering often, pain frequent, and then just this last year, once again, during the pandemic, had her second bout with cancer. And when she talks about Jesus being with her, she doesn't do it the bed of roses she knows of which she speaks and when she writes this it reminded me of her words when she said sometimes sometimes God allows what he hates to accomplish what he loves notice he doesn't start loving those things which he hates the fact that they're allowed doesn't mean that God causes them but he continues to work for our good and accomplish what he loves for us. And so you ask, even in the midst of heartache, and I ask, and I ask to the Lord in my own prayer life as well, when I'm not on the mountaintop at beautiful places like this, how do I open my heart? Is it even possible? Well, one of the ways that God invites us to do that is through our minds, the intellect that he's given us. We can explore and ask questions. We can look at the historic reality of who Jesus really is and see for ourselves the archaeological testimony that backs it up or the biblical authenticity of the truth of God's word and the literary criticism that reminds us that this word through the ages has remained faithful or the testimony of the witnesses who have gone before us, or even as one scholar put it, logic. What do I mean by logic? I mean this. I mean, I need to breathe, and there's air here where I live. I need food. I hunger. And reciprocating, there is food. 
Plants require sunlight, and there is light just at the right height and provision from our sun. And our human experience, I told you I'd come back to this, longs for transcendence and significance. Where does that hunger come from? It comes from the Lord. Of course, the final and only ultimate way that we can receive the ultimate gift of salvation and faith is not by our power, but by the work of the Holy Spirit. And notice, if you come to this text and you, and you read in verses 6 and 7 that the fidelity to this truth and the fidelity to the God's truth and the Scriptures remains as the Holy Spirit remains with genuine love. And so it's this focus back on Jesus that Paul is calling the church then and the church today and to you and to me to have once again. Whether you are in a long discipleship walk with Jesus or if today you are still waiting and wondering, shall I receive, shall I walk with Jesus? William Barclay tells the story of an old man on his deathbed And there on his deathbed, he is disturbed. And his friends and family with him notice it, and they ask him, what's the matter? And he goes all the way back to his childhood. And shares the story of playing at a crossroads. And there, there was a sign pointing travelers in the right direction. And he and his friends noticed that that sign was a little bit loose. And how interesting would it be as these uh, young companions said, wouldn't it be funny if we just turned that sign a different direction? And now he is plagued, even on his deathbed all these years later, thinking about all the travelers he led astray. Well, this is the argument that Paul is making to the church in Corinth. He said, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I am leading you in the right direction to the one source that can, with our hearts wide open for you, withstand and endure all of these circumstances. And that gift is for you and for me, friends. Out of love, Church Father Christosom says in response to this phrase, hearts wide open, or literally means the enlarged heart. He says that heat makes all things expand and the warmth of love will always expand a man's heart. What is going on here? The followers of Jesus were expanding their heart for those who had fallen away or hadn't come to Christ. They endured much so that many would come to know the love, the genuine love of God. And so they invited the church in Corinth and they invite me, they invite you to now open our hearts and receive. And so I ask you today whether you are on the valley, in the valley suffering, or on the mountaintop to receive this genuine gift of love. It's both simple and not simple at all as we come to Jesus for this powerful gift of reconciliation and salvation. 
And if you have received that gift, then in like manner, open your hearts to share it with those who still need to receive it. And enduring whatever the cost for the sake of this love, for the sake of Christ. May we all be like those in Corinth who widened their hearts and received and shared. Amen.